AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Welcome to Business on the Brink, a production from iHeartRadio and How Stuff Works. Joe Vlasic had a cream of the crop idea when he decided to add Polish pickles to the family creamery business. And then he heated things up further with innovative packaging and marketing. But despite holding a majority of this condiment's market, things went sour, and the company soon found themselves in, well... A pickle. Find out what's the deal when we talk about how Vlasic became a business on the brink. Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Caston. Welcome to Business on the Brink. And uh, Ariel, uh, once again, my proverbial but metaphorical hat is off to you for that Aww. amazing introduction. Thank you. I wasn't sure if you were going to love it. Or hate it. No, you weren't sure if I was going to love it or really love it. Well, hopefully the person who suggested this topic, Will Cotis, will also really love it. Yes. So we are talking about Vlasic Pickles, which, uh, you know, it's one of those those brand names that I've certainly come into contact with, but for some reason didn't have sticking power in my brain. So mm -hmm. as I was going through the notes, I was sitting there thinking, like, why do I know this? And then as soon as I get to the uh, the iconic character that was used to market the pickles. Then I said, oh, right, that's these guys. Well, you'd have to because, and we'll get to it, most pickle companies don't do a lot of marketing. Yeah. I, I remember the Kate's Pickles folks because they were out of uh, the Carolinas and they cast an actor as their spokesman who was later a, uh, a, a slasher killer character on a horror movie that I was in. Oh, fun. That's a lot of tangent. That has it, nothing to do with the rest of this episode. You know what, though? It's a glimpse into your life, and we're all grateful for it, Jonathan. Yeah. So um, do you even like pickles? 
You know what? Um, I, it was a certainly a more recent acquired taste for me. I, as a kid, I despised them. Me too. Uh, I could once in a blue moon eat something that had pickles in it, like a potato salad or something, but uh, I never wanted to have a pickle spear. I didn't want pickles on my burger. I was one of those those stereotypical picky eater kids mm-hmm. who there was like maybe three things in the world that I wanted to eat and I only wanted to eat those things. But these days, um, actually, I, I like a good pickle. Me too. Uh, I like a lot of pickled things. Pickled beets, giardelli, giardella. I can't pronounce it, but I like to put it in my mouth. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, the, so I, I also really like pickled vegetables too, mm-hmm. and uh, and and also you and I both worked at a place where pickles were pretty important to maintaining your ability to continue to stay upright. Yeah, the Georgia Renaissance Festival, uh, that is actually where I learned to enjoy them. Yeah. Because they weren't the little floppy things you got next to your sandwich at a fast food restaurant. They were nice, crisp Pickles. Like fresh pickles. Yeah, and this was because they had a lot of uh, salt and electrolytes Mm -hmm. in them that helped us maintain ourselves after sweating like crazy all day. So let's talk about Vlasic pickles in particular. And I did not even know that they were named after the person who started the whole business, Joe Vlasic. So tell me a bit about Joe. So Joe Vlasic was the son of a Croatian immigrant who moved to Detroit with his family and started a creamery business. Um, he had been working a, a factory job during the day and was saving his every penny he could from his $2 a day job. Wow. To start this creamery. Wow. Yeah, that's that's definitely a bootstrapped operation right there. Yeah. Well, Joe took over the family creamery in the 20s. And then in 1937, he added pickles to the mix of what this creamery was selling. <laughs> it seems like a logical step. I, there were some reports I read where he was asked to distribute them. Uh, it might just have been a matter of, hey, here's this thing that's – it's a very – the time pickles were a very regional product. Mm-hmm. They weren't sold nationwide necessarily. I mean, you could get them nationwide, but just – They were from regional uh, like yeah. farmers and picklers. Like you would get milk or cream from the milkman. So creamery, pickles, they're all very local delivery. Um, and he was selling specifically Polish-style pickles with garlic and dill. Mm, those are the best. Yeah, they're good. I, okay, we're going to have a fight. But yes. We're going to do that off, I, off mic. I also like a nice, nice crisp bread and butter pickle. Oh, they're so sweet. I know. Okay, well, it's adorable. I'm, okay. I'm a sour person, so that's You are. Me. All right. Um, and fun fact, uh, barrel brined pickles which is what he was distributing and selling, don't really have the same shelf life as the pickles you buy in glass jars at the supermarket. But at this point, they weren't... They weren't in jars. They, they hadn't been canned pickles They yet. hadn't been canned pickles. They might have been, like, given out in jars. But not, not like, preserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at this point, you get to the beginning of World War II, and, you know, there are a lot of stories about companies during World War II running into uh, challenges because there was there were shortages on materials. You wouldn't necessarily think that such a thing would affect a, a uh, pickles business, but in fact it did. Yeah, the U.S. government rationed pickles. I mean, if you figure this, they're, they're easy to ship. They don't go bad right away. Even, even if they don't last as long as, you know, today's shelved pickles – they still last longer than, you know, a cucumber, let's say. Mm-hmm. So 
the U.S. government was rationing about 40 percent of pickles that were produced at the time, which meant for everybody else there was a pickle shortage. <laughs> so, so, so for everyone else, they were they were not in a pickle because they couldn't get a hold of one. Unfortunately, uh-huh. so this is around the time when jo- Joe started testing and and um, experimenting with a new idea, and that new idea was hot pack pickles, which meant he put the cucumbers into a glass jar, covered them with the hot brine, and then the jar was sealed. So this is essentially sort of the a very primitive version of canning. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, well. It, it essentially was canning because it greatly extended the life, the shelf life of these pickles. Mm. Hot-packed pickles are what we get today, and they last a lot longer than a barrel-brined pickle. Gotcha. Yeah. And so this was, in fact, the introduction of the Vlasic pickle. It was in 1942, and people loved it, so much so that Joe had a hard time keeping up with the demand once the war was over. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd, you'd imagine he'd have a hard time keeping up with the demand during the war when pickles are being rationed, but even afterwards, people really liked these hot pack pickles. And continuing with the whole family business idea, uh, his son, you know, Joe had inherited the creamery from his father. Then his son, Bob, joined the Vlasic Pickle Company Mm -hmm. and would rise to the, the position of general manager for the company. And they opened up a Vlasic factory in uh, Imlay City, Michigan. Which is in the thumb of the mitten. So you've got the mitten, you've got the finger. Uh, This is not a geography class. Okay, so at the time, Vlasic was still doing their creamery business, and they were also making things like sauerkraut. It makes sense. You know, you've got all of the brining equipment there. Sauerkraut is... Yeah, another sort of pickled uh, product. Sort of, yeah. Sauerkraut's also awesome. I do love sauerkraut. Let me ask you this, Ariel. Uh, So... The demand for pickles was going through the roof. People were really going crazy for these Vlasic pickles. The company's doing quite well. What was – give me an idea. What was the size of Vlasic pickles at this point? Well, in 1946, they had 25 employees, which, you know, it's a, it's a pickle business. Sure, 25 sounds reasonable, exception of the fact that their factory was three large buildings. Uh, one was – two were for receiving cucumbers and then – uh, one was for distribution, basically. Uh, they had 28 sauerkraut tanks, and they were processing fix- 50 acres worth of cucumbers. That's a lot of cucumbers. That is for 25 people. It's a lot for anybody. But yeah, when you're thinking about <laughs> 25 people having to deal with that, it has twice as many acres as you have people working. And you know not all of those people are out there in the fields picking cucumbers. Yeah. Some are having to, like, sort through and and deeply – inspect cucumbers for bruises. I don't know. I'm assuming that's a part of the process. Uh, (laughs) Well, Joe Vlasic would retire in 1963, and his son Bob officially took over the company. And uh, this was at a a point where Vlasic was really riding high. I mean, they were were the lead pickle uh, company, Mm -hmm. pickle pickle provider, I guess you could say, in the the United States. And uh, they were hitting $10 million in sales by 1967. Yeah, that's... That's not too shabby. That's a lot of pickles. Yeah. Uh, By the 70s, because they had these pickles that had this long shelf life, they were expanding nationally. Yeah, they could actually ship them across the country and they'd still be good when they got to their destinations. Yes, and they were really, really smart. So Vlastic did a lot of things that were really smart. So uh, they were really smart about using the entirety of their crop or at least as much of the crop as they could. So pickles that were too big, cucumbers that were too big to fit in a pickle jar, they would cut up into chips or spears or Mm. relish. 
so that they're using as much of their stock as they possibly can, as much of their produce. Cutting down on waste dramatically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by 1974, the pickle consumption in the country was up from two pounds per capita when the Vlasic started to eight pounds per capita, all because of Vlasic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when they decided, okay, we don't need to do the milk and cheese business anymore. <laughs> We're just going to focus on pickle and pickle-related things and relishes and yeah. People are eating four times as many pickles, mm-hmm. but they're drinking as much milk and eating as much cheese as ever. Let's let's stick to the, the growing yeah. <laughs> incredible business of pickles. So Vlasic was number one, but they were kind of number one at first. So at this time, they owned 10% of the national pickle market. Mm-hmm. Heinz also owned 10% of the pickle market, but Vlasic – did surpass Heinz pretty okay. quickly. So uh, around this time, this is when Vlasic would introduce that that advertising mascot, the one I said, once I saw who it was, mm-hmm. I immediately went, oh, right, I know this company. And the mascot is a stork. Yeah, a stork who sounds like Groucho Marx. Yeah, and, and he's like, he you know, holds a, a pickle occasionally, kind of like a cigar, sort of like you know, Groucho Marx would hold a, a cigar that looked like a, a cigar. Yeah, yeah, but it's a pickle, so yes. it's healthier for you. Uh, yes, you know, definitely. <laughs> side side effect curbing the smoking craze. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyhow, storks, they, they picked a stork because they wanted to capitalize on the idea that pregnant women crave pickles. Uh, oh, know. interesting. Okay, so yeah. they're, they're pl- playing on a stereotype. Yes. Uh, that, that women, when they are pregnant, have cravings that – People might describe as being out of the ordinary, and pickles frequently are among those cravings. Yeah, and because, you know, Vlasic is the best pickle, of course they're going to crave a Vlasic. Yeah, I mean, why would you crave anything less for your unborn child? Yeah, well, and also on the Vlasic website, it says that uh, the stork became the mascot because the national birth rate at that time was down. And so he was low on babies to deliver, so... He had a lot of spare time on his hands. Yeah, Vlasic managers wanted to offer him a chance to deliver pickles instead. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, a couple of mixed stories. I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and more importantly, Vlasic was actually taking the step to advertise on a national level, which mm-hmm. was sort of unprecedented for companies that were, you know, selling pickles. It yeah. was sort of a new thing. I mean, you, you certainly don't see entire ad campaigns or mascots about it. You might occasionally get a, oh, here's a pickle to put on your sandwich mm. ad, but, you know, nothing big. Uh, by 1977, they held a quarter of the national pickle market. Wow. Yeah. And it bumped up their sales to $100 million a year. Gosh. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so many pick. It's hard for me to wrap my head around this. I mean, like, again, it was one of those things where, you know, yeah, of course, there's pickles everywhere. You see them when you go down to the grocery store, you see jars and jars of the things, but you don't think of a $100 million business. Well, you have to realize, like in the '70s, we're still getting of like out of the aspect, aspect in the Jello, like sure, the 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 Jello uh, casserole era, kind of. Okay, yeah, it's it's a little past that, but okay. you know, you also have restaurants who get pickles, who include pickles with their sandwiches, delis, things like that. So mm. it's not necessarily just. The homeowner. Yeah, just going through jar after jar. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I I go through snack foods like that too. They're just not pickles. There are some people who would go through jar of jar after pickle, and we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, But, you know, this this marketing really skyrocketed them. It convinced buyers to pay a premium for their pickles, which is good because 
they spent $2 million on marketing mm-hmm. for it, for the for the new pickle line. And by this time, they're up to about 138 pickle products. Yeah. Now, what you know that you really hit an unprecedented level of success as a company when that success is so great that the Federal Trade Commission starts to think that maybe something is up. Yeah, yeah. The Federal Trade Commission did do an investigation on them, but they were just selling pickles. Yeah, they just is, chose to market them. They were just selling pickles way better than anybody else was. Yeah. Uh, and then in 1978, Plastic pickle, Pickles was sold to Campbell's, like Campbell's Soup Campbell's, mm-hmm. for $33 million, which was one of Campbell's largest acquisitions ever. Um, and this decision is actually what would put Vlasic Pickles eventually on the brink. Wow. It would make them a business on the brink. Well, I need to hear more about that. But before we get to that, let's take a quick break. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Okay, so Ariel, before the break, you mentioned that Vlasic Pickles was acquired by Campbell's. But we also had just mentioned that Vlasic Pickles was doing business like gangbusters. Mm -hmm. They were doing incredibly well on their own. So what would lead to the decision to actually agree to this acquisition? Well, uh, according to AtlasObscura.com, the price of cucumbers was rising 
Oh. A lot, by like over 35% since 73. And Vlasic had to take loans to buy their cucumbers, about $20 million worth. Okay, so this was literally the raw materials that they were using. The The price was going up, and it's not yeah. like you could easily switch to something else. I mean, pickles, as we think of them, are like the word pickles we think of pickled cucumbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they didn't have a whole lot of other options. No. And I mean, they were making pro- – they're making about $1.3 million profit off of the $100 million worth of sales, Ooh, according to okay. reports that I saw. Wow. That is – but that is eye-opening, right? Mm-hmm. To do $100 million in sales, but that's that's how much you make in sales. And when you look at the actual profit being $1.3 million, that is – That is different. That is amazing. I mean, well, they were also spending money on expansion and renovation and things like that. Marketing as well, obviously. And and then the pickle market also slowed down. Mm. So everybody was really excited about pickles for a while. It was the food trend. And then people like, eh, pickles. Nah. I'm kind of pickled out. I'm so – yeah. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. Also, at the time – Campbell's was looking at a competitor, right? They mm-hmm. were they were acquiring companies like Vlasic largely because they wanted to have a better position against Heinz. Yes. So, you know, th- these are companies that were known for the, you know, really dominating things like grocery store shelves and obviously you want to have the best uh, best potential position against your competitor. So, that was the the idea behind the Campbell side of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and, and then they did work on on growing the the Vlasic brand and increasing sales, even though the market wasn't really growing. In the 80s, they improved packaging, so they color-coded a lot of their packaging so you could better tell what sort of product you were getting in the jar. They improved the jars that the pickles came in. And then they decided to expand Vlasic into other specialty food arenas like open-pit barbecue sauce and olives and cheese. Oh, interesting. So Vlasic, which started as an uh, a sort of a additional business on top of a creamery, mm-hmm. now would actually include a dairy product in its line. Yeah. The cheese didn't do well. The, <laughs> the cheese company they acquired went bankrupt and they dropped it. The olives actually did well and they became a, a leading olive seller. Well, and, and that I have less – it's less of a logical leap for me. Mm-hmm. You know, olives and – Pickles, you often see them uh, next to each other in grocery stores because, again, I think a lot of people just sort of have that association even though it's a slightly different process, pickling and and the the process you have to make – you have to go through to make olives edible. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I can can see that. The cheese is what – it was sort of like when we talked about how cheese saved PBR Mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean they they also bought a barbecue sauce. So they're kind of buying all of these condiment Mm -hmm. sort of things. I guess some people view cheese as a condiment. I view it as a staple of life. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, I think of it as a lifeline. Also, uh, I, I don't really go into it in the notes because it's it's its own story. But Campbell's did acquire Swanson, mm-hmm. the company Swanson, um, and that'll factor in in just a little bit. So, in 1991, Campbell's consolidated the Vlasic division to New Jersey and cut 140 jobs. Okay. So, because Vlasic had expanded out. They they brought them all back together and made, I guess the the production of it a smaller production. I gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. And uh, they also started to look into other new ways to package and market pickles, including the the pickle snack packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and sandwich stackers. Yeah, so these aren't like little pickle chips, like the little round things. It's yeah. if you pick if you cut a pickle long way. Oh, I got gotcha. you. So you get a long slice. So it's a cross section of a pickle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and so that, you know, they were basically trying to find new ways to get people to buy pickles. Right. You know, like if I have a jar of pickles in my fridge for whenever I make a sandwich. How often do I make sandwiches? Okay, well now you need to buy them to put in your kid's lunchbox as a snack. And that again, it worked. Didn't work enough Mm. because by 1996, Campbell's was viewing Vlasic as an underperforming brand. Now, in 97, you had mentioned that Campbell's had acquired Swanson. Mm -hmm. And in 97, they thought, let's offload this. Yeah, they tried to sell it. It didn't go as planned. So they decided to spin off all of their quote-unquote non-strategic brands into their own entity. I guess non-strategic is the nice way of saying unprofitable. Unprofitable, superfluous. Gotcha. In 1997, the Pickles, along with Swanson, Open Pit Barbecue, and a few other specialty feuds, feuds? Feuds. Specialty foods were spun off from Campbell's into Vlasic Foods International Incorporated. (laughs) And then they uh, eventually became publicly traded. So it, so Within now the year. now we got Vlasic as its own company again, and its own company with other companies now lumped in underneath it. Yes, Campbell's reasoning behind it was, you know, Vlasic and Swanson are both strong brands; mm-hmm. they're historically strong. Maybe they can turn around under new management. This whole move was called a leverage spinoff, which meant they incorporated the new subsidiary, and then the subsidiary would take on the debt that Campbell's attributed to those companies when they owned it Mm. as a way of purchasing the division. Gotcha. So when Vlasic and and Swanson and all that was spun off, they took on $500 million in debt. Seems like a pretty convenient way for Campbell's to try and just shed some debt of its own. Yeah. And and so they actually – it was a whole big thing – Vlasic took them to court over this. They said they were being fraudulent, that it was a uh, – a uh, that the the debt transfer was underhanded. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, that they used false financial data to push the spinoff and the debt transfer um, and that by doing so, they aided a breach of fiduciary duty by the uh, – by Vlasic Foods International's directors. Um, yeah. Vlasic also said that Campbell's overstated Vlasic's value in this transaction to get tax-saving measures. Mm. And some people said that it it saved both Campbell's and Vlasic taxes. They didn't have to pay. Um, but it really didn't help Vlasic, obviously. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so th- this is one of those things where there were lots and lots and lots of articles that were written about this particular uh, – Controversy, I guess, is what we could call it. Yeah. Because this was, I mean, this was a big deal. You're talking half a billion dollars in debt. I mean, that's that's enormous. And it's, you would think this is also a great way to uh, to not just shed debt, but to scuttle a company yeah. before it even gets a chance to get going. Well, the courts ruled that Campbell's was on the up and up mm-hmm. in this spinoff, in this debt trade-off, that it was, in fact, liabilities, cost of the sale, uh, some other debt that maybe Vlasic took on after they became an independent company, maybe close to the spinoff. But, um, you know, Vlasic did file an appeal 
mm-hmm. to that. Um, there are a whole bunch of legal documents that you guys can can go look at if you want more information on that. Uh, but it kind of gets into the weeds. Gotcha. So we get to 1998. Vlasic is an independent company again. And their sales are not exactly performing up to what they were hoping. Yeah, pickle consumption was down by 7%. Uh, They were spending millions on advertising new products. And then they did a Hail Mary. So when Will wrote us about this, he had mentioned that he had read about plastic pickles in the Walmart Effect book. And so he thought it was a bigger story. And it certainly was. But in 1999, Walmart started selling gallon jars of Vlasic pickles. Mm -hmm. They were 12 pounds a jar. Okay, 12 pounds for Mm -hmm. for essentially almost a bucket of pickles. Yeah. How much did they cost? $2.97 a jar. So for for less than $3, you could take home 12 pounds of pickles. Yeah, they they were testing this this product – at around $3, maybe a little bit more a jar. And then when it got released nationwide, they dropped the price. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, part of the Walmart effect is that Walmart is so focused on pushing their brand of like the cheapest price that they hurt other companies doing it. Um, so this was really a way for Walmart to get people to come into Walmart stores, mm-hmm. not necessarily a way to work with a vendor. Yes. Now, it did – raise Vlasic sales immensely. Jars flew off the shelves. They were selling 80 jars a week. It made up 30% of Vlasic's business at the time. But it was causing them millions of dollars in profit loss. They were only making pennies on the jar if they were lucky, according to fastcompany.com. And their drop, their profits dropped by 25% or so. Yeah. I mean, if you if you end up cutting your the the sale price of your product that dramatically – then your profit margin gets razor thin. Yeah. And, and with something like pickles, that's not that's not a comfortable line to ride, I would imagine. No. Plus, if people are buying your pickles at Walmart or, or Sam's Club or wherever, they're not buying them at the grocery store. Where the prices are higher and your profit margin is Where the better. prices are reasonable. So, you know, and, and beyond that, now you have to get enough cucumbers to meet demand. Right. Because yeah, if you, it takes a lot more cucumbers to if your if your jars are now twelve pounds each instead of like you know a couple pounds. Yeah, and and so you've got this product that Vlasic has spent millions of dollars to convince people it's a premium product you need to pay pay premium price for, and they're selling it on the super cheap. Vlasic did ask Walmart to raise the price of their pickle jars to uh, like three forty nine. A jar. Yeah. So about 50 cents more or so. And Walmart said that if they raised the price on those jars, they would stop buying any of other any other of Vlasic's pickle products. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, they did eventually let Vlasic raise prices, but by then... It was pretty much too little too late. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people will quote the Walmart effect as being what did Vlasic in. Uh, the experts that I've read about, at least some of them have said Walmart didn't do – like you'd think it would be the reason that Vlasic went under. 
Um, it was really the spinoff. It was the debt acquisition in the leverage spinoff that did the man, but this certainly didn't help. It so might have been this, the nail in the coffin. Gotcha. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say, the nail in the pickle. Well, <laughs> we've got some more to say about this story and to kind of wrap things up. But before we get to that, let's take another quick break. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot Okay, so the spinoff was sort of a death sentence for Vlasic. The Walmart effect was a very kind of sad funeral for the Vlasic. (laughs) But here's the thing that's crazy about that is this is a case where you have a company that's on the brink of financial ruin. Yeah. But it's still crazy popular in its individual market. Yeah, they still held 24% of the pickle market, maybe 25%. Um, You know, they're selling tons of pickles. They just aren't making money on them. So it's funny to think about – I mean, we've seen this happen before too. But it's funny to think about a company that on on paper, if you're just looking at sales, like the number of of products being moved – from a sales perspective, it looks like it's doing incredible. But then mm-hmm. when you look at the cost of doing business, the amount of profit per sale, you start to realize, but this is not sustainable. It would be like a company trying to create a loss leader, you know, a product that they're selling below cost in order to sell related products at a much higher premium. Exactly. And then no one buys the other products. They just buy the main thing. And then next thing you know, you're out of business. Yeah. Well – that's what Vlasic was looking at. Um, and Heinz was looking at Vlasic because oh, wow. Heinz didn't have nearly as large 
a hold on the pickle market and the relish market at that time. And I'm sure they would relish the idea of having more. <sighs> yes. Uh, you're, you've just peppered this with jokes. Uh-huh. It's actually the pickle pepper relish market. I tried to put a, a pun in there, guys, but I didn't mention the peppers. Uh, <laughs> so they wanted to – Heinz wanted to bank on this and get Vlasic on the cheap so that they could obtain Vlasic's market share. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, Vlasic was employing around 550 full-time workers and then another 450 to 550 seasonal workers uh, between their pickles and their open-pit barbecue. Um, Heinz thought it got its chance to acquire them in 2001 because Vlasic did file for bankruptcy, bankruptcy protection, um, after they were unable to make a $10 million interest payment. Wow. Mm-hmm. Were, I'm sure that was a loan to try and pay off some of that debt. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they stated at the time when they filed that Vlasic did that they had six hundred and forty nine point nine million dollars in debt. Might as well just round that on up to six fifty. Yeah, at that point. And uh, what's a hundred thousand dollars between friends? A lot. I will <laughs> gladly take that hundred. So six hundred. So essentially six hundred fifty million in debt. Mm-hmm. How much do they have in assets? Uh, Four hundred and fifty-eight point three million. Ooh, so I guess four hundred and fifty-eight million. What's point three among friends? That's that's not that's not great. That's that's a lower number than the amount of debt. <laughs> and their stock was down ninety percent from its high of four dollars and eighty-eight cents a share. So, yeah, things are bad. So, Vlasic and Heinz are potentially going to make a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was what was Vlasic hoping for? Like, what what was their asking price? Well. Uh, they were going to sell to Heinz for $195 million. Hmm. And then I heard conflicting reports. Some said that uh, that deal fell through. Others said that another another deal came in. Okay. And, and Another party came in. Another and, party came in and yeah. kicked Heinz out. Gotcha. So uh, Heinz was going to buy for $195 million. They were going to buy the pickles and the barbecue sauce. And then there was another food distributor, Conagra. Conagra. That said they were going to buy some of the other brands in the mm. spinoff. Um, but instead, Hick, Muse, Tate, and First, a firm <laughs> that did – yeah, a firm that did leverage buyouts, created a food division. So, and, I'm sorry. Hicks, Muse, Tate, Tate and, and First. First. Okay. Yes. I want to make sure I had heard that correctly. Yes. All right. So so they do leveraged buyouts. That's just mm-hmm. that's just what their business is. Yes. And okay. they offered $370 million cash. Ooh. Okay. For which Vlasic. Definitely higher than 195. Yeah. Which meant they'd get all of Vlasic's North America assets in the buyout, you know, subject to approval. Yeah. yeah. Um Vlasic, but it also meant that unlike un, secured creditors wouldn't necessarily get all the money they were owed. Mm. Um, and, you know, shareholders may not get anything. So Vlasic did also work to get uh, some financing, about $25 million, to help pay those suppliers and vendors that they owed money to as a part of this. Now, I assume the acquisition went ahead and went through. Yes. And afterwards, Vlasic Foods International changed their name to Pinnacle Foods, okay. which was the divisions of Hick, Muse, Et cetera, et cetera. Tatum first. Yeah, the bot Vlasic. Um, Pinnacle did lay off a few people, like about 70 out of 3,000 or so. And and that's among all of Vlasic Inter- Foods International's divisions, which gotcha. did include you know, Swanson and things like that. Right, not just the pickles, but mm-hmm. these other companies that had been lumped under when Campbell's spun them off. Yeah, but overall they were looking to increase production volume, add workers, and acquire more brands. And they did, in fact, acquire more food brands 
to put under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, then in 2007, Pinnacle Foods was acquired by the private equity company Blackstone Group. So the people, the fish that ate Vlasic got eaten by a larger fish. Yes. Because as as the Phantom Menace taught us, there's always a bigger fish. But as a subsidiary. So Pinnacle Foods stays as – Pinnacle Foods are about to go through. We're going to just kind of breeze through the rest of their history. But they continue to be a subsidiary throughout Gotcha. all of this acquisition. They got listed on the New York Stock Exchange under the Blackstone Group and made a good chunk of money. Um, then in 2014, Hillshire Brands – tried to buy Pinnacle, but then that deal got canceled and Pinnacle got a whole bunch of money because the deal got canceled. Like, the sale didn't go through. Gotcha. So it was kind of recompense. They got Interesting. around $190 million for okay. it. And then in 2018, Conagra, who originally was going to buy some of Vlasic Foods brands. Uh, yeah, the stuff, the stuff outside of the barbecue and the pickles. pickles. Yes, yeah. came in and bought Pinnacle. For eight point one billion dollars. Wow, that's a yes. lot of that's a lot of cheddar, as they say <laughs> in the food business. Very clever, and they pulled Pinnacle off the New York Stock Exchange. Um, you know, Conagra owns way more than Vlasic, way more than Swanson, way more than Open Pit Barbecue. They have a mountain of food brands that they mm-hmm. owned, but they are still putting efforts into Vlasic pickles. So Vlasic Pickles still exists, mm-hmm. even though it's gone through, like, multiple changes in ownership at this point. Yes. And they're still coming out with new fun innovations. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, like wind-up pickles? Like <laughs> No, no, no. Okay. So in April of 2019, they announced uh, that they were making pickle chips out of real pickles. So not like the little circles that you buy to put on your sandwich, but, like, freeze-dried Pickle rounds that you'd eat like a potato chip. Gotcha. Okay. All right. You know, I was looking at you like you were crazy, but then I thought, wait a minute, fried pickles are a thing, and I They're like so those. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. When I heard this, I was super excited. Okay. I, I, I think that would be my preferred way to eat a pickle. You get all of the flavor of like a salt and vinegar potato chip, but it's not a potato. Fun fact, guys. I can't really eat potatoes. Yeah. Very well. And, so. and it's also not as messy as eating a, a pickle, where it's. It's a challenge to bite into like a big pickle. It's mm-hmm. a challenge to bite into one of those and not have it just erupt over everything. Yeah. Um, so I really feel like looking at lessons that this is – there were certainly some missteps like trying to get their pickles into Walmart that were mistakes for Vlasic. But I feel like a lot of it was just circumstantial yes, and in, outside their control. In, in some cases, like in the case where their, their supply – the cucumbers, the price was increasing. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot you can do about that. I mean, you can raise the price of your pickles, but there's going to come a point where you're going to reach a tipping point where the consumer is not going to be willing to pay the amount of money that you need to charge if you want to keep your profit margin to be the same despite the fact that your raw materials, the price has increased. Yeah. And we've seen that happen with lots of other stuff too. Like anecdotally here in Atlanta, there used to be quite a few places that sold uh, ostrich for mm, ostrich burgers. Yummy. And I used to go and get ostrich burgers because I don't eat mammals, but I'll eat a bird. <laughs> and um, uh, now no one sells them anymore because the ostrich farms, it, it was just getting to a point where in order to make profit, they were going to have to keep increasing the price of an ostrich burger. Yeah. But if you increase it beyond a certain point, no one's going to buy it because they'll they'll view it as being too expensive. Or so few people will buy it that most of your stock will go as waste because yes. it'll spoil before they can sell it. Same sort of thing here. So 
I think in many cases, uh, this was a this was something that was largely unavoidable. Like, you know, we said they were selling $100 million worth of pickles every year, but mm-hmm. their profit would come in at just a, a million dollars. I say just a million dollars. Well, you're talking about a whole company that has a pretty yeah. small profit. Yeah. Um, I also I am I am sad, Ariel, that uh, you did leave out the the peppers earlier in that because you could have picked a pun of pickled peppers. Uh, yeah, I thought about putting that in, and I decided I was cooler than that, Jonathan. However, Vlasic's not that cool because uh, Bob Vlasic created a book of jokes about pickles. He did. Uh, it was a part of their marketing campaign, which, by the way, Bob Vlasic told Forbes in 97 that a lot of their competitors were manufacturing-oriented, and they were the opposite. They were marketers who manufactured something to sell. I don't necessarily – like, obviously, there was a love of pickle there, but – I mean, you know, I think I think as we trace the history of Vlasic pickles, it wasn't like they were – marketers who fell into a creamery. It was, yeah. uh, but I, I do think it's funny that they said that they were coming from it from a marketing standpoint mm-hmm. that, and they're like, well, we're great at selling stuff. Why are we going to sell? I yeah. know pickles. Well, in, in order to sell the pickles, they came out with Bob Vlasic's 101 pickle jokes and it sold a quarter of a million copies its first year. Wow. Yeah. I All guess right. people really like a pickle pun. Uh, I, I, I guess we, we've gone through quite a few, and they, I'm, I am resisting the urge to they, make more. They prefer a pickle pun. Yeah, that's, a, that's definitely becoming a tongue twister. Listen, we gotta, <laughs> we got to stop before we pickle again. Perhaps. But, okay. All right. No, enough alliteration. We're going we're gonna to say goodbye now. But if you guys have suggestions, like this one was a suggestion from a listener. If you have suggestions, where can they send those to? Well, they can send them to feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show. Yep, and you can visit thebrinkpodcast.show. That's our website where you'll find an archive of all of our past episodes, a little bit more information about us. And uh, until next time, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I've been Ariel Kasten. Business on the Brink is a production of iHeartRadio and How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.